Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is returning very soon. The message for today is recorded in the Old Testament with an emphasis on this verse. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. This is God's word. Well, the readings for this week are focused on the last Sunday of the church year, and that can only mean one thing. Christmas time is right around the corner. It's not too far away. And in fact, if you go into the stores, there are already Christmas decorations and sale signs that are up, all enticing us to buy their stuff. Many people are turning their eyes towards the deals and sales as Christmas time indeed is fast approaching. Many people will also probably buy some jewels and gems for the ones they love. And some might even buy diamonds. Or maybe they should just go on the cheap and buy cubic zirconia instead. I mean, after all, who's going to really know the difference between a diamond and cubic zirconia? They look so much alike. Next year is my 25th anniversary. Shall I buy my wife a diamond? or maybe cubic zirconia. Hmm, it's rather tempting. She probably wouldn't know the difference anyway, and I could probably get away with it. Or you single fellas, when that time comes when God finally introduces that one into your life that you want to ask and marry, buy her a cubic zirconia engagement ring instead and see what happens, because she really won't know the difference, will she? Or will she? Wait a minute. It's not whether or not they find out, because they will find out. It's not a matter of if, but when they find out what's going to happen to you. If I buy my wife a cubic zirconia for our 25th anniversary, oh, you would see a side of her that you've never seen before. She's kind and gentle, but you'd see something else. And fellas, here's a little bit of marriage advice for you. Don't do it. Buy the diamond instead because you will not live until your wedding day when she finds out. Because there is a real difference between the real and the fake. There's a difference in the eye of the beholder and the experts certainly can tell the difference in an instant. And that was the problem with the people of God in Malachi's day. The people were complaining against God because they didn't seem that God was really making a distinction. There didn't seem to be a real difference between the believer and the unbeliever. Poverty was there, oppression, famine, and unfaithfulness. Unbelievers were taunting God, and God didn't seem to even care one bit. It didn't really make a difference. So why even bother to follow God? God didn't seem to care. What's the advantage of following him? What's the advantage of all that repentance stuff and putting on ashes and sackcloth if God really didn't make a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever anyway, the real and the fake? Then they began to complain against God. They didn't fear, love, and trust him. They only wore the name of God on their shirt sleeves because, well, it didn't make a difference anyway. God's people grew unfaithful. They became spiritually lazy. They became morally lazy as well. So God needed to call them to repentance because in his plan and from his vantage point, there truly is a difference between the fake and the real. There is a difference between his jewels and the knockoffs, and his promise is that he will return to take hold of his prized possessions.
his jewels. And on that same word goes for us today. For God's people in the 21st century, as you take a look around you, do you sometimes wonder what the advantage is anyway of being a Christian? Do you ever wonder, with all that's going on in the world, if God really cares anyway? And if you don't wonder that, the people in the pew that you will be called to serve someday certainly will. They will wonder, has God abandoned me? Why am I going through this sickness? Why am I going through these marital problems? Is God even listening? Does he even care? Does he make a distinction? Should I just give up all this Christianity bit? Or shall I continue to follow him? There's also that challenge to our moral part and ethical part of our lives. After all, the world is doing it and God doesn't seem to do anything about it. So why shouldn't I give in to a little bit of immorality? Oh, not whole hog, mind you, but no one's going to care. It's very easy for us as Christians to see everything and everyone around us getting away with it. And we might begin to think that, oh, one or two little escapades in our life certainly won't make a difference. After all, Jesus gives us that, all that repentance stuff. Can't we get away with it? But isn't that just like the fellow who goes to church on Saturday night to confess the sins that he's going to do that evening? If we know it's wrong, then why should we do it? If we know that it goes against God's will, then just don't do it. Now, I'm not talking about works righteousness here, so I don't want anyone to get bent out of shape, but there really is a difference. There is a distinction. God makes a distinction between his people, and it's black and white, cubic, zirconia, or diamond. That's because we're pointed to another rock in time. Not one of diamond, but of granite with three crosses. There on the rock of Calvary, God's great distinction was made. The world couldn't make a distinction between common criminals and the Son of God. They couldn't tell the difference between uh, the righteous one and all of us who are unrighteous. But the Father did. God the Father made the distinction. God made a promise through Malachi and he said, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and one who does not serve him. We are pointed to the cross where heaven's crown jewel was dropped into the cesspool of our sin. There on the cross is where the father did not spare his son so that heaven's jewel and by his blood you and I would be spared and forgiven our sins. Heaven's jewel served the father by giving his life for you and for me. And in so doing, the precious blood of Jesus has washed away our sins and he has claimed you as his very own. You are a diamond. You are the most prized possession to God because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. You belong to him. It does matter to God. He gave his best, his all for you and for me. And so by God's grace, we live in forgiveness. We worship him. We strive to live according to God's ways. Not perfectly, mind you, but we are his gems, we are his jewels, and we are different from the rest of the world. 
We have been spared so that we might be freed to live lives according to God's love and under his grace and promise. Does that mean we're going to live lives perfectly? Oh, absolutely not. We're going to fall into sin. We're going to give into temptation. But when a diamond falls into the mud, does it cease to be a diamond? Does it lose its worth? No, because the owner picks it up, gently cleans it off so that it might shine brightly once again for all to see. And so it is with Christ's forgiveness and love for you and for me. You are his precious jewels, and he's coming to gather us up. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. May this peace which surpasses all our human understanding keep and guard our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ unto life everlasting. Amen. We continue with our next hymn. 